Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 332 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading the whole book of Jude today, and our focus is on how can we pray in the Holy Spirit. Does that mean praying in tongues? Plus, we're going to talk about how we should never slander Satan, demons, or angels. Uh, Every day we get into the Word of God in this way. We read a chapter, we talk about the truths it has, and we ask a question of the text and seek to understand it so that we can obey the truths and the commands of the Word in our lives. We do have a website. It's Bible2021.com. That's B-I-B-L-E 2021.com. Every episode of this podcast has its own corresponding blog entry at Bible2021.com that basically has an entire transcript of what I say, the scriptures we read, and the quotes we use. And we got some great stuff today from Charles Spurgeon. So you might want to go check it out on the website, Bible. 2021.com. Jude is a most mysterious and interesting and thought-provoking book of the Bible. I wish it stretched out to 10 or more chapters because I imagine there would be a lot of really mind-blowing stuff in there. As a child, I grew up in a church that used Jude 24 as a benediction almost every week, and I can still hear it intoned from the pulpit at Briarwood Presbyterian in Birmingham, Alabama, all these years later. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. Man, I love that passage. Well, what a wonderful blessing. And let's talk about a warning that we find in Jude. A warning that I don't know that many Christians take seriously enough. Though, though I, I am myself a Southern Baptist pastor, I have many charismatic friends and even served on the pastoral staff in a charismatic church for years in my younger days. I love the heartiness and passion of charismatic worship, but I have sometimes encountered a troubling thing in some charismatic churches and honestly other churches and other denominations too, including my own. Sometimes pastors, leaders, worship leaders, etc. can lead songs or pray prayers or say things that belittle, demean, or otherwise disparage Satan or demons or whatever. And you might say, hey, that sounds wonderful. We should put him down all we can. He's the enemy. Shake our fist at him. Except here's the thing. Actually, two things. Number two, Satan is far more powerful than 1,000 of us, the best 1,000 of us put together. Our taunts and insults to him are as meaningless and honestly silly as a toddler threatening an all-pro defensive tackle who is an MMA fighter on the side. He could squash us with zero effort. Far more important than that, however, is the simple fact that we are commanded in Scripture not to slander slander celestial beings, heavenly beings, Satan, or demons. Consider these verses in Jude 8 through 10. In the same way, these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand. Well, look, If the archangel Michael did not speak slanderous words against Satan, then 
maybe you and I would be wise to avoid doing so ourselves because that is a very dangerous and foolish thing to do in song or with our words because the Bible leads us away from that. Well, second topic, which is also a bit on the mysterious side, Jude gives us an interesting command regarding prayer in verses 20 and 21. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. Now, this passage in Jude also echoes a passage in Paul, Ephesians 6, 18, where Paul says, Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And this might also be in view in Romans 8.26, which says, In the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us, with inexpressible groanings, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Well, we can see from these passages that the ministry of the Holy Spirit is integral to prayer, but specifically, how do we pray in the Spirit? Are Jude and Paul here talking about praying in tongues? And I'll say, I suppose that's possible considering what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14. Verse 13 says, Therefore the person who speaks in a tongue should pray that he can interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing praise with the Spirit, and I will also sing praise with my understanding. Otherwise, if you praise with the Spirit, how will the outsider say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not know what you are saying? Well, so in that passage, there does seem to be a link there between praying in a tongue and praying with the Spirit. So I don't know that I can rule that out. And as I've told you before, I'm not a cessationist. I believe that all of the gifts described in the New Testament of the Bible are still active. But I believe that if that was precisely what Jude intended to communicate, in other words, he was telling us we should pray in tongues when he says pray in the Spirit, I believe he would have made it a little bit clearer. So I think that praying in the Holy Spirit quite simply means praying in through, with, and under the power and leading of the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's praying it in a way that is not perfunctory or like uh, the kind of prayer you pray over your bowl of cornflakes in the morning or the kind of prayer you pray out of a habit or some sort of memorized prayer that you say uh, without engaging the wholeness of yourself into it. I think that praying in the Holy Spirit is praying in a way that is aware of the Holy Spirit. It asks for the leading of the Holy Spirit and obeys the leadership and impulses of the Holy Spirit as he gives them. Along those lines, listen to the advice that Charles Spurgeon gives to young ministers of his day. Now, I realize that not everybody listening to this podcast is a pastor or a minister, and that's fine, but this counsel on praying in the Holy Spirit is sound for every single Christian. You can apply it to your life. So, Brother Spurgeon says this, we must pray in the Holy Ghost or else we will not pray at all. We must preach under the influence of the Holy Ghost or else we will chatter like sparrows on the windowsill in the morning and nothing will come of our chattering. Only the Holy Ghost can make everything we do 
to be effectual. Therefore, never begin any work without the Holy Ghost, and do not dare to go on with the impetus that you have gained, but cry again for the Holy Spirit. The amen of the sermon needs to be spoken in the power of the Holy Ghost, just as much as the first word of this discourse, and every word between the first and the last. Let all your service for God be in the Spirit, or else it is all good for nothing. I want to pause there and say that when Spurgeon uses the word Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit, he's talking about the same person. Continuing, he says, I pray you all to adore the Holy Spirit. Think of him ever with the profoundest reverence. Christian men and women who have been quickened by his power invoke his might to rest upon you whenever you go about any of God's work, for without him you can do nothing. Pray in the Holy Ghost, preach in the Holy Ghost, and do not believe in the conversion of a single soul apart from the Spirit of God. Go and preach, go and proclaim, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved as fully and freely as you can. But remember that your preaching cannot of itself raise one soul out of its lost estate. This will be your comfort that the Spirit of God will work with you and through you if you rely upon him and depend wholly upon him. It will be a happy circumstance if we can frequently bow our knee with devout brothers and sisters and think it ought to be a rule with us ministers never to separate from each other without a word of prayer. Much more intercession would rise to heaven if we made a point of this, especially those of us who have been fellow seminary students. If it be possible, and this is, again, for everybody, not just pastors, he says, let prayer and praise sanctify each meeting of friend with friend. It is a refreshing practice to have a minute or two of supplication before preaching if you can call in three or four warm-hearted deacons or other brothers. It always nerves me up for the fight, but for that, to fan your earnestness to a vehement flame, you should seek the spirit of continual prayer so as to pray in the Holy Ghost everywhere and always, in the study, in the office, and in the pulpit. It is well to be pleading evermore with God when sitting down in the pulpit, when rising to give out the hymn, when reading the chapter from the Word, and while delivering the message, holding up one hand to God empty in order to receive, and with the other hand dispensing to the people what the Lord bestows. Be in preaching be in teaching like a conduit pipe between the everlasting and infinite supplies of heaven and the all but boundless needs of men. And to do this, you must reach heaven and keep up the communication without a break. Pray for the people while you teach to them. Speak with God for them while you were speaking with them for God. Only so can you expect to be continually in earnest. A man does not often rise from his knees in prayer unearnest, or if he does, he better return to prayer till the sacred flame descends upon his soul. Amen. And when Spurgeon's talking about the sacred flame, he is talking about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes, friends, we pray without the Holy Spirit. We fail to pray in the Holy Spirit because we fail to wait that for that sacred flame that would descend upon our soul as we pray. Well, let's read our passage in total. It is the book of Jude, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James, to those who are called, loved by God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love 
be multiplied to you. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. For some people who were designated for this judgment long ago have come in by stealth. They are ungodly, turning the grace of our God into sensuality and denying Jesus Christ our only Master and Lord. Now I want to remind you, although you came to know all these things once and for all, that Jesus saved a people out of Egypt and later destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their own position but abandoned their proper dwelling, he is kept in eternal chains and deep darkness for the judgment on the great day. Likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns committed sexual immorality and perversions and serve as an example by undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. In the same way, these people, relying on their dreams, defile their flesh, reject authority, and slander glorious ones. Yet when Michael the archangel was disputing with the devil in an argument about Moses' body, he did not dare utter a slanderous condemnation against him, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme anything they do not understand, and what they do understand by instinct, like irrational animals, by these things they are destroyed." Woe to them, for they have gone the way of Cain, have plunged into Balaam's error for profit, and have perished in Korah's rebellion. These people are dangerous reefs at your love feasts as they eat with you without reverence. They are shepherds who only look after themselves. They are waterless clouds carried along by winds, trees in late autumn, fruitless, twice dead and uprooted. They are wild waves of the sea, foaming up their shameful deeds, wandering stars for whom the blackest blackness of darkness is reserved forever. It was about these that Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, Look, the Lord comes with tens of thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly concerning all the ungodly acts that they have done in an ungodly way and concerning all the harsh things ungodly sinners have said against him. These people are discontented grumblers living according to their desires. Their mouths utter arrogant words, flattering people for their own advantage. But you, dear friends, remember what was predicated by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They told you in the end times there will be scoffers living according to their own ungodly desires. These people create divisions and are worldly, not having the Spirit. But you, dear friends, as you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit... Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Have mercy on those who waver. Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercy on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Amen indeed. Well, we close with our Bible memory passage for the month of November. It's John 14, verse 6. Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, good day to you, friends, and Godspeed.